there's a warning coming in. Remember Donnie Darko? Frank? Frank coming in with a warning. Something's coming down. There's a countdown going on, y'all. And this is a big deal. I remember how sweet it was reading Peter Rabbit when I was little. Oh, how I loved Beatrix Potter and that whole world. What about Bugs Bunny and Jessica Rabbit? What's going on out here in the world of the White Rabbit? What's going on in the world of the rabbit in general, the hare, the lupin? There's something that is starting to poke its ugly nose through into the collective, and I smell a rat. There's something trying to turn beautiful ancient symbols into no-go zones, censorship zones, zones of locked doors in which you do not get the key. And the deeper into this rabbit hole we go, the more obvious it becomes. And yes, rabbits actually dig tunnels themselves. It's not ubiquitous that they inhabit other tunnels. I once conducted an experiment with this, but that's another story. What is the womb? What's the umbilicus? What's the egg? The Easter egg? Y'all know the egg. What's this idea about adrenochrome? What's that have to do with all this, all that nasty business, poking its nose through, dirtying up this interesting ancient symbol that's chained to other symbols? The rabbit, the hare, the egg, the womb, resurrection, curiosity, Purity. Why we got to have adrenochrome involved? There are threads here that Amy D and I have been looking at recently. We've been following the carrot to get to some idea of what is just under the surface of the collective. There's some thump, thump, thumping going on and we're on the trail. We've got our looking glass and questions. This investigation involves some unexpected turns. There's a war going on, y'all. Y'all know about this war? This is a war on the womb, the natural womb, the real portal in and out of this realm and others. There's more than sex and lies here. There is transformation, transfiguration, 
There is a Playboy bunny somewhere serving a cocktail. Whether it's in this timeline or 25 years ago. And she's in a bunny suit. What's that about? When we're looking around the world at these symbols, I'm starting to see something very, very curious indeed. What's all that to do about the magnum opus in alchemy? You know, the gold egg, the doorway, there be doorways. The yolk of the egg, the sacred vessel, the psychopomp of it all. Where does the white rabbit take us, really? And why is the white rabbit tied to the image of time? And then this would not be a deep dive with the prima donnas if we weren't looking into the fashion of it all. What about all these movies? What about the runway shows? What about all these stars? and the symbology of it. Where do we go from here? And again, why are they taking this symbol that goes way back to the beginning of all stories, all across the board? A beautiful symbol, the rabbit, the hare. What's going on with the white? What is white in the end? What is it? Well, we have some curious cud to chew today. And with that, I'm going to bring on my co-host, Miss Amy D. Amy D., how are you doing? Well, hello, Nish. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction into this world of rabbits and bunnies and going down the rabbit hole and all of the exciting ways that the mundane symbol of the rabbit has sparked curiosity of the internet lately. And I think today is a really good day to get to the bottom of that. It is indeed. And I think I want to start here with just some some basic stuff. This idea of of the white rabbit, which is where we're going. And I left out Alice because Alice is tied to all this. And it's hard to take Alice out of anything, really, in the collective these days. And Lord knows, I love my Alice in Wonderland. So Alice does travel. She gets the call from the psychopomp. The white rabbit... And his tick 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 tick, tick, tick ticker clock, 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 clock always in a hurry to get, to get somewhere. And it occurred to me very early on that this was a very important symbol. It's tying two things together, two concepts together. It's tying the idea of time because that rabbit's always going somewhere. That rabbit's always trying to be somewhere with the idea of 
rules and strictness. There's a Saturnian aspect to the white rabbit. It's following something. It's got a sense of order in the chaos of it all. And I thought, this is a psychopomp. What is a psychopomp? A psychopomp is a guide of the dead. In Greek, it's a Greek word, and it's a guide of soul. And so Jung pointed out that the psychopomp is a mediator between the conscious and the unconscious realms. Now, this plays to the surface of of your life, the reality you're having out here, the day-to-day minutiae, and the realm that's just under the surface, just on the other side of a dream or an illusion or a curiosity that you're chasing. And then we have the idea of the white rabbit. And I started to be very curious about what is white? Because everywhere we go today, the word white is just absolutely drugged through the dirt. It's sullied. You almost can't say the word white these days. And if one goes looking, one sees that white contains all the wavelengths of the visible light spectrum. The white rabbit of time sees this full spectrum and guides us through the maze in the underworld, in the unseen world, in the world just beyond what we can see. White is the combination of all color. How is it that everything white is turning into a no-no in the outer world? Just like what they're doing with turning the rabbit out and associating it with pedophilia and adrenochrome and torture. There's an antiquity here, Amy, that goes on with the rabbit and the hare that touches all religions. And I think it's important for us to maybe look at some of that. There's so much to dive into First, while we're looking at white, we have the famous crystal pyramid. Pink Floyd put it on one of their albums where you have a beam of white light moving through the crystal that moves through the other side and refracts, reflects all the colors of the known rainbow. White got to be white. White light has become 
ostracized even in the New Age. Not by the New Agers, but by the kickback of the New Age. So now anyone that says white light becomes ostracized because of the New Age. And then there is this hatred of whiteness in general, of a race of of people, of many peoples, ethnic white people all over. And that's of interest. We can't leave that elephant unseen. And so when we start to dive into what that all is, it's interesting because if we take away the white from the spectrum, do we have a spectrum? It is all colors. All colors come from the white. White is all colors. It's at the heart of the egg, the vesica Pisces. And we will have all these links for you to click on in our show notes, but there's a lot here to understand. And there's a lot of reverence for white amongst all cultures. It's everywhere. It can represent and often does purity and cleanliness. It represents sacred weddings and uh, rebirth, renewal. It represents a sense of immortality. There's so much here that we could do a whole show on that. But we're going to just leave some links for you. Why do all religions, you know, from voodoo to Santeria to the Catholic Church, wear white garments? Come on, people. White ain't bad. It's our perceptions, just like that beam of light moving through the crystal. What do you see in the rainbow? What do you see? And that's what the white rabbit moving into unseen realms gives us. But then again, there's that tick, tick, talker, clock, talk, talk, talking away. And we've got to understand that within that narrative, they do bring in some darkness because Saturn's involved when we start talking about time. And the rabbit seems to be tied into time. Now, why is that? Keeps us moving. Ridicules us if we stagnate a little too long. And this is something of interest when you're looking at these kinds of symbols. The egg is associated with the rabbit because of the old pagan stuff going on from the Norse mythology all the way into the story of the Magdalene and Easter and the red egg and the basket of eggs of many color. This is important. This is at the heart of some of the deep mystical Christian narrative. And then as we were looking around, we saw rabbits all over the world of fashion. You cannot get away from it. And so I think this is where I want to have our guide today, the white rabbit, start us out with looking at how the rabbit has played a significant role in our pop culture. 
And I think it's a good place to maybe start with the dark rabbit of Donnie Darko, Frank. Amy, let's talk about Donnie Darko for a minute. What about Frank? Well, Frank was sort of looked at as a dark spirit guide. That was kind of the understanding that I took from it. And also, he sort of represented the side of curiosity falling into madness. He seemed to get Donnie into lots of trouble. Frank is a word, um, as a name, that comes from, I think, Frenchman, meaning free. And I always think of Frank Reynolds from (laughs) It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and just what it means to be like this very free person. And to be free is there's a liberated side of it. And there's also this very dark side of freedom, which can lead to exile. And I think that is sort of the the tone of Donnie Darko, which is that he is being spiritually guided, but it's not necessarily into a a realm or to a way that is um, of any use of particular to him because it drives him so mad. Now the rabbits, not Frank necessarily, but the rabbits. Um, and I was reading all about all these movies today because I had seen them, you know, a couple of years ago and the rabbits in Donnie Darko are interesting because they represent more of the, the people who are not in the know. Whereas Donnie has been chosen by Frank to sort of, take these rabbits and tell them, give them the the harsh truths or to try to teach them that or make Donnie the vessel for something that can convey these truths. And um, I, I just thought that was very interesting because it's such a, um, it's such a different take on the rabbit. And also I thought the color of the gray rabbit was very interesting because whereas you were talking about the white rabbits and the color white and all that entails, it really struck me as interesting, this color gray, because it's not uh, the the curiosity coming from maybe a pure place or it's not maybe a person who has a sound uh, mind, for lack of a better way of saying that, that's dealing with this information. There's all sorts of ways that this kind of pursuit can get distorted and turned awry, and perhaps that is what Donnie Darko is ultimately kind of, you know, hinting at and saying. Also, I thought it was very cheeky of the writers to call this rabbit Frank, because you think about the idea of speak frankly to me and uh, just being forthright and shooting from the hip, right? Even in Gone with the Wind, you know, the famous line of, frankly, Scarlet, I don't give a damn. Being frank is a form of being really almost brutally honest. And the fact that this particular rabbit is darkly lit because he's speaking frankly is very intentional. And I think a lot of people don't understand that that particular symbol is running a script on several levels within the unconscious. Again, we're talking about psychopomp here. The rabbit is a psychopomp guiding us through. And so to the deep layer of what's going on there, we have a cue in our unconscious that there is a deeper truth here. There's something below the surface. And of course, the whole film Donnie Darko is brilliantly done like this. And it couldn't be more appropriate ever than it is now. Because we're in kind of the Donnie Darko landscape right now. Really, the the film was ahead of its time. And when we think about 
how the world around us is constant. It's always been all, it's always been ending, right? We have all these end time cycling, looping causalities that keep people in a state of, well, hopefully things could end at any time. And this is true for anyone that's playing the game of life at any time. You could suddenly die. (laughs) And so Donnie Darko brings us an end time narrative, but it's the, it's the end of the world for Donnie, the The awakened awakened one. And I always thought that was very well done, well handled. But let's look at some other films. So there was another excellent, strange film on rabbits from David Lynch in 2002. And I'm just going to read from the Wikipedia page to get you all in the know of this, but... Rabbits takes place entirely within a single box set representing the living room of a house. Within the set, three humanoid rabbits enter, exit, and converse. One, Jack, is male and wears a smart suit. The other two, Susie and Jane, are female, one of whom wears a dress, the other a dressing gown. The audience watches from about the position of a television set. In each episode, the rabbits converse in apparent non-sequiturs. The lines evoke mystery and include, Were you blonde? Something's wrong. I wonder who I will be. I only wish they would go somewhere. It had something to do with the telling of time, and no one must find out about this. The disordered but seemingly related lines the rabbit speaks suggest that the dialogue could be pierced together into sensible conversations, but concrete interpretations are elusive. Some of the rabbit's lines are punctuated by a seemingly random laugh track, as if being filmed before a live audience. In addition, Wherever one of the rabbits enters the room, the unseen audience whoops and applauds at great lengths, much like in a sitcom. The rabbits themselves, however, remain serious throughout. In some of the episodes, mysterious events take place, including the appearance of a burning hole in the wall and the intrusion of a strange demonic voice coupled with sinister red lighting. Three episodes involve a solo performance by one rabbit in which they recite strange poetry as if performing a demonic ritual. The rabbits receive a telephone call at one point and later, at the climax of the series, a knock is heard at the door. When the door is opened, a loud scream is heard and the image is distorted. After the door closes... Jack says it was the man in the green coat. The last episode concludes with the rabbits huddled together on the couch and Jane saying, I wonder who I will be. So this was a series of eight short horror web films written and directed by David Lynch. And so 
This is a very interesting narrative to throw into this idea of rabbits. And he puts in everything from the whole to, uh, I mean, just everything we're talking about is, is housed within this series. And it's interesting to watch. It's a strange, it's strange, of course, it's Lynchian. And it's talking to us on many levels. It's communicating to our unconscious directly because David Lynch is a master of symbolism. And yet it also gives us something to be fascinated by on the surface. It feeds your left and your right brain. And I think that this is actually a good idea when we're looking at the the symbology of rabbits in pop culture and how this has all come about to be such a interesting symbol that is multifaceted. We get some of this with these other films, with these other iterations of rabbits from the very sweet and uh, almost innocent Beatrix Potters with Peter Rabbit stuff, you know, and to the sexy Jessica Rabbit and Bugs Bunny and and all the other iterations. So I think it's important that we consider that you cannot just throw one understanding onto an ancient symbol like this. We are looking at a symbol of sacrifice. We're looking at a symbol of rebirth. We're looking at a symbol of the deeper meanings in what you are doing here and where you go when you leave here. And you can pick any aspect of it and run and run fast because the collective's always chasing the rabbit. So, Amy, what other films and uh, cinema do we find the rabbit in? The most interesting and recent depiction of rabbits in film was probably Jordan Peele's Us. And that was a movie that sort of, as I remember, dealt with the 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 person and their shadow sort of tether. And the entire movie was sort of the horror of the person being haunted by their tether. But they used rabbits very interestingly in there. And it reminded me, honestly, that rabbits are... And also the the leper the 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 the, le- the one with the horror movie about the the rabbits from like the sixties or seventies. It re- these two movies reminded me about the use of rabbits in animal testing and in experimentation, and how they are often left to as not after they've been captured as prey and just kind of left to be played with and used for the devices of the person who has captured them. The other thing that was very interesting that Peel focused in on was that rabbits have like a duality and that we've talked about quite a bit already in this show, but that they're supposed to be really cute and on paper they're really adorable, adorable, lovable rabbits. But you can tell in their eyes, this is according to Jordan Peel. This article with Time Magazine, he was talking about how cute and adorable they do seem on the outside, but on the inside they have really, really scary teeth and they're very defensive and they're 
quick and they have sort of an counterproductive instinct. So they really are an animal of duality. They're adorable, but they terrify the director. And they've got those scissor-like ears that creep him out, he says. It is interesting, too, to consider the the use of the dualistic uh, symbol of the rabbit in pop culture. Also, if you think in the last couple of years, the way that the rabbit has been portrayed maybe more colloquially among young people, we have Bad Bunny, for instance. We have um, Ariana Grande, who had a few years making her name with the bunny ears. Um, obviously, those were taken sort of as an homage to Playboy, but very interesting. She used the black bunny ears. And also, we have Macaulay Culkin, who has made his rounds. Sadly, he's a symbol for childhood uh, gone wrong once kind of in the entertainment industry. He's part of that uh, really awful era where it was completely undiscussed or if it was discussed what was going on in the industry, it was sort of hushed. So he's has kind of that sort of surrounding his reputation and he's kind of been playful with that. And he does some maybe sort of trolly things online that would make people feel he has associations that are negative. And his podcast was called Bunny Ears. Again, though, I would ask people or invite people to use this duality, this dualistic uh, polarity of symbolism and think about what that means, though. If a bunny is, let's say, not necessarily a victim, but they are prey, they don't have really a way of fighting back, then is somebody with bunny ears a bad thing? And also, if bunny ears are symbolic of fertility for for some people uh, or they're symbolic of libido or prosperity, then that's not necessarily a bad thing. And so in all of these different scenarios that we've been talking about, the bunny is specifically different for every one of these projects. And I just think that that's why it's so important that we as people who are traversing in these waters of spirituality and symbolism and truth and trying to really just get at wherever we can uh, some sort of understanding about our footing in this world that we really, really keep in mind this idea that we have to be able to put the symbol with the perceived intent of the person using the symbol and at the time it's being used. And really, once we get to that place, we can sort of work backwards and synthesize to a greater narrative. But until then, we really do have to just see everything as a case-by-case scenario. All of these people had different projects. All of them had very famous careers. All of them have very different ways in which they use the rabbit. And quite honestly, the rabbit's been working for them. So that's what I have to say about that. Excellent. And, you know, I thought it was very clever that they titled the shadow Tether, correct? Yes. When you think about the word Tether, it is you know, just going over to the Cambridge Dictionary or any dictionary, it's a rope or a chain used to tie, especially an animal, to a post or a fixed place, usually so that it can move freely within a small area. And secondly, to connect or relate someone or something to something. So the idea of tethered is significant. It's the idea that you are always attached to your shadow in this realm, in this dimension. And we have done what with the shadow? It's 
an unseen world entity. We've Peter panned our way with that shadow girl. We've removed that shadow. It has evaded us in this American life. Again, this is good writing. And to call the shadow tether, it's really deepening this idea of what we're talking about here with the rabbit as a psychopomp, as the guide of the dead or guide of the soul. And when we're starting to deconstruct symbols like this and trying to see where the shadow has cast itself in pop culture, in our unconscious, in an imaginative mind, we start to understand that there is so much going on here. It's been a very winding road. And you mentioned earlier about Bad Bunny. So I think this is a good place for us to look at Bad Bunny, but let's look at Bad Bunny by looking at Hugh Hefner and the Playboy Mansion and the bunny costumes uh, for the Playboy Club. Now, there are two sets, or there are two costumes, really, for the old school Playboy Club, but they expanded out so you could have... You could have the costume really in the rainbow of color. But as I believe, it was initially white, and then you would have black, and then it moved into the rainbow of purple, blue, and green, and red, of course. However, I think most people think of the black outfit for Playboy bunnies. So it's a matter of people that know this history better than we do uh, to add to this conversation. But what I want to get to is when I was looking just at old Playboy Bunny Club stuff, I was predominantly seeing in the first wave the white and the black of it all and a lot more of the white costume, the white playboy bunny with the ears and those little corsets and all that and then you start to see that there's some red even gold and it expanded out but I think we did start with the white and remember playboy and Marilyn Monroe have a sweetheart deal so we're always bringing Marilyn back into the sex bunny thing and one of the things that is interesting when we're talking about the Playboy Club is everything that it stands for. So the objectification of the female form. But I want to weave this narrative back into the natural womb. And, of course, there are Easter eggs here, right? So Hugh Hefner at the core was glorifying the female, the woman. We're talking the old school woman, the one with the womb, right, that gives birth to babies and brings in new souls from where? The miracle of the zinc flash of life that happens, the magic of the zygote, the magic of the womb itself to create something that is living 
and become sentient, that moves through the birth canal, that is connected by what we could call the blue or a silver cord called the umbilicus, that moves beyond the threshold of the vagina into this world, into this dimension. It is a portal. And for everything that could be said bad about what went on with Hugh Hefner and the whole Playboy Bunny situation that has been very much exposing lately post his reign, now that he's passed over, the trafficking of women and possibly children and all of this stuff that ties into the dark rabbit side, the dark bunny side that they are slapping the white on with the adrenochrome stuff because of the way the molecule looks like a rabbit. We had an idea of what the womb was as far as the miracle of birth. And in this world of the scientific cult, the miracle of birth has lost its luster. The science cult does not see it as a miracle any longer and has turned the womb into a state of artifice. We have, we have fake wombs now. We have wombs outside of the natural woman that can perform the miracle of life. And there's a lot to talk about here. This is a rabbit hole. And perhaps we will go down that rabbit hole. But I want to make sure that that's in this conversation. And in the post-Second World War American culture, this is a big deal. A woman had a womb. Period, point blank. Playboy and pornography for straight people, for cisgendered people, if you will, objectified it. But they were still looking at what is the vessel of the real womb, which is a woman, a womb man, woo man. And now, where we have been taken and the darker side of all this is you can be a woman in the modern world and not have a womb. You can be a woman and have a penis now. It is how the narrative is unfolding around us. And this is where I want to point our idea back to the egg. What is the egg, and how does it tie into this whole rabbit situation with Easter, with Mary Magdalene, with the miracle of birth, the egg that houses the sun inside of it, the yolk, the yellow, the yellow sun? What is going on here? There's something here, everyone. And so it was only in modern day, in the modern world, where we finally, I believe, had a trans woman in Playboy. So we started to see the switch over what it is to be 
a woman. No shade, no tea here towards our trans friends. We love you, but we're talking about an agenda that's above and beyond you. We're talking about a social movement, social engineering, and redefining what it is. The rabbit is intricately tied into the egg, and the egg is absolutely 100% tied into what it is to be a female with a womb. And so there is something that I thought was quite interesting with Bad Bunny, the rapper. It struck me really hard. So in July 2020, he appeared on the first digital cover of Playboy magazine as the first man to appear on the cover other than the magazine's founder, Hugh Hefner. The cover was shot by photographer Stills in Miami, Florida. And the magazine includes a feature article entitled, Bad Bunny is Not Playing God. So when we're looking at this narrative, and Amy, you are going to bring us into Bad Bunny on a deeper look here in a second. But what we're talking about here is this movement from the organic world into the digital world. We have been talking about this. And we are talking about this. So the world is moving into its second life, its digital life, its new extravaganza of exploration into the metaverse and taking us away from the organic, analog, natural world. And in this transition, we are going from Women, wombs in natural females, in natural women, to external wombs. We've presented some of these wombs to you in another episode, and I can't recall, Amy, do you recall what those are? Octo wombs or ecto wombs, I believe, ectopods. Ectopods. And, of course, this all ties into the cloning stuff as well. So we don't need the woman if that's the reality. And if the reality is moving towards a digital flavor into the digital world away from what's natural, and we have people like Bad Bunny taking Playboy into the digital world from the analog world, the natural world, and Playboy itself now featuring modern women with no womb. What are we looking at here, people? We are just investigating this because it's a mystery, and there's something here to be understood, that this is all tying together. So I want to throw this egg into your basket, Amy, and let's talk about Bad Bunny for a minute. Girl, Bad Bunny is someone that I first saw perform at last year's Coachella, I think, um, through YouTube. And it he had a very, very interesting performance. It was, I enjoy his music. That being said, he is a very interesting character. He was born in Puerto Rico, I do believe, and he 
came over to the States. And I guess kind of what one of the defining factors about him is instead of catering to the machismo fueled mentality that pervades basically uh, Musica Urbana's hip hop, which is what they're calling it on his biography, uh, and trap and reggaeton, Bad Bunny is comfortable painting his nails, wearing skirts and dressing in drag, and he was part of 2021's WrestleMania. So he's a very non-traditional sort of performer coming from that area of the world. How does this play into him being on Playboy? I'm not exactly sure other than to say it's very interesting to me, especially when they use people of color with cultures with very defined like male feminine roles, let's say. And then they sort of make famous these crossovers of um, maybe a person who would be who still has the machismo, but is doing things like wearing skirts and painting his nails. It sort of reminds me of uh, like a like a Harry Styles and I know David Bowie and Freddie Mercury were doing it like way before them and before them there was people doing it but now we have Bad Bunny and he's a very interesting symbol for Playboy it is interesting what you were talking about with the Playboy uniforms earlier though because although there was a real mm, a real uh, ecosystem of of the pyramid of masculinity of top down sort of stuff uh, going on at the Playboy Mansion. Hugh Hefner was really interested in kind of like pushing back to the silhouette of the '60s, which was like very boxy and kind of like a little boy. And he was really really adamant that to fight that we would have. Um, Let's see. He says to fight the shapeless shifts in ballet flats, they may have been all the rage on the runway, but he wanted hourglass figures. He wanted bullet bras and he wanted three inch heels, which to this day, that image is sort of debated. Is that feminist or not feminist? Depending on the feminist, they will give you a different answer. But I think at that time, it's very interesting that he was very, very um that his mind was set on perpetuating this vision of the woman he was interested in seeing. We can get into a whole different conversation, a whole different episode about the male gaze versus the female gaze someday. But for right now, since his gaze was so relevant to that time period, I find it interesting he was fighting for it. And here it is again, girl, the hourglass figure. Here it is again, that allusion to time, that reference to the woman, to time, to the egg, to the serpent to all of it, and I, I find that very interesting. But to tie it all together, Bad Bunny on the Playboy issue is very interesting, not only because it's him crossing over from something that is traditionally a published magazine available on shelves into a digital world, it's also he, Bad Bunny himself represents sort of a cultural crossover, one from south to north, and also one from male to female. But again, in this new landscape, we find ourselves in what are labels, what is anything? Well, and when we're looking at this, it is important to understand that Bad Bunny is considered a crossover artist. And when we're looking at him being tied into Playboy and the idea of crossing from analog to digital, crossing from whiteness to uh, brownness to multiculturalism is important to consider here. This is part of the narrative and it is, whether you like it or not, it's just part of it. And you can see how deeply woven all this is into the narrative. You know, it's interesting when we look at, and we're going to bring Marilyn back in here because she was the very first playmate. 
So this is significant. We can never take Marilyn out of modern pop culture. Marilyn is forever the reigning queen of pop culture in my book. And I can make a case for it. And in fact, I think we have done a good job, Amy D, presenting many, uh, I guess, threads of interest. But remember, when Hef died, he was buried next to Marilyn. That was that was like his thing. And so, you know, there's a whole article. on. You can look this up. And so it was Hugh Hefner to be buried next to Marilyn Monroe, first Playboy centerfold. And this is very important for everyone to remember when we're trying to unravel mysteries, even the most insignificant of situations involving an open mystery no matter how deep you get into the rabbit hole it's all significant and so again Marilyn was that figure that you're talking about hourglass all the way she was our Venus she was our Aphrodite culturally she represented both on screen, the vixen, but on screen as well, she was the comedian. She was the uh, hurt woman. She was the child, Norma Jean, that was always coming through, which made her great. We could see the vulnerability. So she was presenting femininity in such a way that was absolutely tantalizing and that still affects us to this day and so when we think about the idea of what is femininity and what was Hef talking about when he wanted that hourglass figure now it's a situation when we're looking at the figures of women you can go back and look and see that The female form has really changed over the years. Now, I've noticed it in my lifetime. Of course, there's always the tall and the thin or the thin and the small and the and the more Rubenesque and the, the, you know, the voom voom and hourglass shapes. We come in all forms. We come in all shapes and colors. But when we start looking at fertility symbols in the past, we see a lot of curve. We see a lot of curve. And some of that curve is not acceptable or has not been acceptable in in modern culture. Because when we start to look at Venuses, such as the Venus of Willendorf, right? She's got the big belly and it's hanging over. But she is conceptually a fertility symbol. I know there's been a lot of interest in challenging that narrative now and I applaud anyone challenging any narrative because that's where we start to really get to the model of true science by questioning narrative and allowing ourselves to go there but Marilyn was there big boobs big hips some booty what are boobs? What are our memories? What's going on with all that? These have a role. What's the function of a breast? The breast is there to feed that miracle that comes through the portal. It's there to feed 
the child, the new soul that has crossed the threshold from beyond, from the unseen world, that mutated, doubled that zygote, that zinc spark. And it gets nourished by mother's milk. This is all tied into rabbit is a symbol of fertility. Rabbit connected to the egg, the egg of potential. And so when we're looking at crossing over into a new world, a digital world, a reset, images and stars like Bad Bunny are essential. Bad Bunny is a white rabbit taking us from one place to another. Very important. I had to get schooled up on Bad Bunny. I actually had no idea who it was, but I recognized Bad Bunny as a psychopomp the minute I started to look into him. And I thought this was very well played. Now, again, you must learn to parse out what's intentional and what might actually be coming organically from our unconscious to create narrative. Was it intentional that Bad Bunny was chosen to move Playboy into the digital realm? I don't know. It's definitely important when you're looking at all of this from a macro state of mind. And you can see that much like Jung talking about the psychopomp and the shadow and archetypes and the psyche and the structure and the dynamic of personalities and the realm around us, that there is something intelligent behind it, whether or not the people involved in the making that happen were conscious of it or not. And this is that thread that sometimes I think takes a certain amount of trust to follow. It takes a lot of strength, inner strength, to hear the call from the land below and follow the rabbit of time to see what it's trying to tell you. And always, always that rabbit's trying to tell you he's late, he's late for a date. Not to linger, not to become obsessed, and to keep moving, to to meet with the Queen of Hearts. Is that who we're meeting with? To meet with whom and where and when and why? Why are we in a hurry? So I, I just, I think it's important that we're bringing this narrative out and, and looking at it in a deeper way because what we're seeing now, Amy, is this adrenochrome situation. So let's dig into the adrenochrome situation. I was disheartened when I first saw this coming forward and that they're going to take the rabbit, especially the white rabbit, the way they took the swastika, which was a symbol of life and beauty. It's still widely used in India in other cultures, it's a symbol that actually is deep 
and ancient and had nothing to do with anything that it was associated with on the surface to the outer world in Nazi Germany. I'm not going to go into that narrative, but we could. But what they did, what the winners of the battle did, was turn that symbol against its true meaning. And now we cannot look at that symbol. We cannot touch that symbol. We cannot understand that symbol. We cannot explore that symbol. It was a power that had meaning for millions of people and cultures across the board. And we've got to ask ourselves, why are we not allowed to use symbols? And I'm bringing that up because what's going on with this white rabbit? What's going on with adrenochrome? And that's where I want to throw this back at you, Amy. What is going on with this adrenochrome situation? The adrenochrome situation is very interesting to me because if we go back into the 60s with the Jefferson Airplane of it all and the fall of the White Rabbit and Go Ask Alice, it was a kind of code or street code, I mean, according to the people who are talking about it now, um, for LSD. And now it seems to be this idea that the white rabbit is now associated with adrenochrome, which has really made its way into conspiracy circles for a while. Now, I find this interesting. The reason it is associated with adrenochrome is said through lore, and I will say, quote unquote, QAnon lore, because everything I can find currently that, that you know, sources where this comes from is like QAnon boards, which is fine. But it, apparently the the molecules resemble a, a rabbit. It's basically um, a hexagon with – or two hexagons and then like two little antennas sort of, and they all have different bonds. I find this to be a very, you know, as Obama said, a teachable moment simply because I think it's a really good time to remember that in the conspiracy – group, right? There's always people, you have a bunch of people who are trying to figure it out and they've got open minds and that's really a good thing. But sometimes when we're trying to get to the bottom of a story, it's not really as crazy as we think it is. Sometimes it's just crazy enough and they'll, and sometimes skilled propagandists or trolls or whatever will go ahead and add little details into something just to kind of ruin it or put a stink on it. Um, for an example of someone who does the opposite of this, it's zero hedge is what it is. And it's Tyler Durden and he will take out all of those little crazy details and just kind of give you the meat and potatoes of the episode or of the, of the article. He will take out the things that link it really to really bizarre, like Epstein stuff or to the child trafficking and to all of the very, very like Q-pilled talking points, which are all very real and relevant. Unfortunately, they don't need to be dragged into every important topic. And so what often happens when you're talking to a person who doesn't traverse in these waters and you start mentioning things like money laundering and, and, uh, and blackmail, and then you talk about not even Epstein's Island anymore, but if you bring up adrenochrome to a person who doesn't normally handle this information, they're going to throw out everything true that you just said, and they're going to go ahead and write you off. And that is 
an error in their thinking. That is a granted point. But that being said, that is still something that is contributing to the overarching like skepticism of what people who are trying to uncover the truth have to face every day. So I would really caution people when they start looking at these symbols and for there might be centuries or thousands and thousands of years of people using these symbols for alternate reasons, then suddenly you see like a nefarious uh, meaning get placed upon it. I would really caution people to maybe take a second and just go, where is this coming from? Where, what, how far does this go back? Why would this be happening now? And then really just kind of take a greater picture because it's a great time to really sort of understand the, like I said, the quote unquote meat and potatoes versus just like the, the filler and the stuff that they're trying to feed you to make, essentially to make anyone who sounds the alarm on any of this information sound a little bit cuckoo. Yeah, well, they're they're turning it, and the agenda here is turn this ancient symbol of fertility, luck, creativity, new beginnings, spring, rebirth, resurrection, into something nasty, into something untouchable, like they've done with so many other symbols over time, and when we're looking at the idea of turning something like fertility, luck, creative energy, new beginnings, uh, a time to plant your garden, right? Uh, This is obvious to me. And if we tie that into what's going on with the war on the womb, the natural womb, it is nefarious, At the very least, there is an agenda here and it's being driven. And now they've tied it all to this nastiness you've just brought forward. And again, I'm reminded of Frank sounding the alarm and Donnie Darko and how Donnie becomes the one to save the world by being sacrificed. So there's this aspect of the sacrificial rabbit. And in a lot of cultures, we do have this idea a lot of people eat rabbits still rabbits a food uh for for modern americans eat rabbit where they won't eat dogs and they don't eat cats but they'll eat rabbit and even the jews it there's um there's some stuff in the Jewish stuff about chewing the cud. And even though that got ironed out, there are passages. Uh, I don't know if it's a Talmud and I'm sure we'll get corrected. But when I was doing my research, I actually wrote down some quotes of which I can't seem to find at this moment, but there was, it was amongst the animals that, you know, Jewish people are not supposed to eat because it's considered filthy because it eats its own, its own pellets. And so there is this idea of the sacrificial rabbit. But if we think about the idea of, a sustainable homestead. Rabbits are a powerhouse in your homestead. Rabbits are, of course, people can eat them, right? They breed prolifically. This is part of the fertility association with them. They recreate very fast. 
So it's a renewable food source for that, but also their pellets are wonderful in creating a healthy soil, the dirt, the dirt that helps everything else grow. And so this becomes a very important part of your ecosystem, your personal ecosystem on a farmstead for a healthy farm. And there is a lot of associations across the world. So I'm going to draw our attention to a wonderful little myopic from Over the Edge and Beyond Journal of a Naturalist, the Rabbit Hair Mythology, the Rabbit in the Moon. And this is from March 27th, 2018. It will be in the show notes. But I'm just going to highlight a couple things here. So this person says, another perspective on the Easter Bunny. Rabbits and hares comprise a very ancient archetype that has stretched across religion and culture for thousands of years. That is so important to understand how old it goes back. Uh, Lepis is the Latin word for rabbit. And so this person also writes, we find the rabbit appearing in Buddhism, Islam, Christianity, Judaism, as well as throughout indigenous cultures in the Americas. And so this person goes right through many ideas of what the rabbit represents. In one of the paragraphs, hares are believed to be messengers. Again, that's a psychopomp from the realm of the great goddess moving by moonlight between the human world and the spirit world. This is what we were talking about earlier, how they give us an idea of the unseen world. They can take us to places we can't go on our own. They're a guide. In Egyptian myth, hares were associated with the moon, which was masculine when waxing and feminine when waning. Greek and Roman mythologies tell us the hare represents love, abundance, and were associated with Artemis, the goddess of wild places. And of course, Artemis is the goddess of the hunt, etc. And she has associations in other cultures as Venus, and etc. So in Teutonic myth, the earth and sky goddess Holda had a chariot drawn by hares and was followed by a procession of hares bearing torches. In Celtic, Astarte belongs to the moon, orchestrating the cycles of death and rebirth. You know, we keep hearing these same narratives. I recommend before you throw out the idea of the rabbit and Easter and all that, you really start to understand what this symbol recognizes in you. Is it really something terrible? Can you really look at rabbits and think they are soulless, lifeless, cold? You know, that's one of the things I noticed in that film, looking at some of the interviews from Peel about the Us film, Amy, was this idea that rabbits don't have a personality, that they are, they're, they're like the sociopaths, right, of the, the, anim, the domesticated animal world. I have had hundreds of rabbits, and I conducted an experiment in New Mexico one time 
And that's for another day and another story. But I wanted to see, do they make rabbit holes or do they really just use holes that were already used? And I'll tell you, in my experiment, they they burrowed all the way out of where they were um, contained and they created a whole little social system and it was intriguing. But I have had pet rabbits that were more than pets that have lived in my houses and they've all had different personalities just like every other animal I've had. They all had different personalities and depending on how much I put into them, attention, love, interaction, just like with a dog or a cat or a horse, they responded and in kind were very loving, affectionate animals and intelligent. I could, you know, they're easy to litter train. They're easy to train to do anything. You can get them to do anything. They're very trainable. I would just suggest that Jordan Peele has some psychologically undealt with shadow issues going on. Cause if you're that, I think, you know what I mean? If you're that afraid of the shadow or the, the rabbit, I should say, I think that you're, you have some unexplored yeah areas with the pets. Cause I know exactly what you're saying. Cause every animal I've ever had, it's had a very unique personality. And honestly, to this day, even lizards, you know what I mean? And yes. fish it's yes. Yes. And so takes two to tango, I guess is what I'd say there. <laughs> You get out of it what you put in and relationships in general with other humans are this way. So that's, that's just was such a sad thing to read and see and other people agree with. And I, I just wanted to make sure that we were looking at this idea of a rabbit because they're wonderful companions. They are uh, very in tune with you if you are in tune with them. And I've had this experience with snakes and uh, reptiles as well, turtles and others. And so this becomes an idea of like everything else, Amy, somehow the world you create around you is a reflection of you. And others can look in and see you through the sphere of your world by the way you dress by what you're saying versus what you're doing etc it's always clear to see who is doing what by looking at the small details by taking the microscope and juxtapositioning it against the words they're saying in the end it's words and language that are the tool being used against us. And that is what is going on with the rabbit. In particular, the white rabbit. Now, it goes without saying that the rabbit and the moon have a big association. Uh, the very first thing I think of is the hare and the moon or the rabbit and the moon. And there's a lot of stuff going on there. And of course, also with prosperity. Rabbits are a symbol of prosperity and that's tied into fertility. If you think about fertility as a situation of prosperity and you get back into the gift of the womb, you understand how that is, how we could be producing our own through the magic of our portals, of our wombs in the world, no matter what you are, 
a female rabbit, right? And the androgynous, the hermaphroditic animals that can do it within, it's still the magic of the of a womb. A womb is a very significant thing to consider here. And I think when we start talking about these narratives and we start looking at what are we being told now about the womb in the world and how is it being distracted away from us? How is it that we have amazing, unbelievable trans women out there in the world that are more feminine than feminine. Some of them are just drop dead gorgeous. And I, I have always loved amazing trans women. I'm a big fan, but at the end of the day, they don't have a womb. And if they're replacing the role of the womb, what are we looking at here? Is there some sort of connection there? I mean, we need to look at this and without feeling uh, a sense of, I guess, being triggered. Let's just look at these things. What's going on with young females that are young and having their mammary glands removed and taking hormone blockers and sterilizing themselves, the womb? What's going on with all this? And I've talked about this. We've talked about this. We love our trans friends. We love them. We love the real ones. But this agenda, this grooming situation that is happening in schools and in society in general is something we need to consider here. Where are we going? And at what point should we say, hold on, let's get back on the same page with language rabbit the white rabbit also represents language by nature of being a psychopomp communicating from the unseen to the seen worlds language as Lori Anderson said is a virus what's this virus sweeping across the lands Are you mind-controlled? Do you have this Watiko? Can you see where we're going? I believe it's all right to have all these options on board. Why do we need to make certain things unavailable? Books, ideas theories. Why does something have to be bad or good? Black or white? Why is it got to be black? Why it got to be white? What are we doing, people? So we're watching this reset. We're watching the demonization of a very amazing and powerful symbol in the world that is tied into our ideas of fertility and creativity and love and beauty and connection. And we're turning it into something monstrous. Do we want this? 
Is this really what we want? In the Renaissance period, sexual purity was a big deal. And the paintings of rabbits in the Renaissance period, in particular, most art was devotional. It was just a form of how one expressed the experience of being in the realm. And it was definitely in favor to be of a religion. And there are all the stories about all that. But rabbits were often depicted in these Renaissance paintings with the Madonna and the child, representing sexual purity. I find this of interest, and most of those rabbits were white rabbits. Again, follow the white rabbit. So with this idea... We are presenting to you, the audience, a whole bunch of narrative here. We have opened up a rabbit hole that has a lot of dendritic entanglement, veins of inquiry. What do you think out there? Amy, as we're closing this down, what do you want to give to our audience as closing thoughts for what's going on with the rabbit symbolism and where is it playing in a theater near you? I want to take us back to a little ditty in 2004 called Mean Girls where we featured a group of girls called The Plastics. At this point in time, it was colloquially and commonly understood that women were using plastic surgery and altering their appearances, and often even young girls are doing this. Then we move into maybe 2008 to the 2012 era where we have we enter the Kardashian era, where all of a sudden women are trading in their um, their their big boobs for big butts. And another thing that was interesting about plastic surgery was the the replacement of mammary the life life-giving, life-sustaining boobies, right? And changing that into plastic silicon. So already we have this trend starting of getting rid of the life-givers. We're trading in the... The, the 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 what is it the function for the form which is never a good idea it's always a nice idea to have a good balance of both so we move into 2008 2012 with the kardashian butts people are no longer interested in boobs they're getting their boobs removed at like a left right or they're getting their breasts removed at a huge rate, they're getting them altered, augmented, maybe even uh, using some chemicals to transition them from to a different uh, sex entirely. And then we move later into this transition of person, ultimately where they've gotten us now is person uh, transitioning from one sex to the other. Again, as we know, this isn't really a, th- a, a, a function of actual function. It's a function of form. There is you mentioned earlier about like desire to or devotion. And so I'd say that this is the, the natural is the devotion and where we are now is the desire, which is the plastic, the, what I want and sort of we're trading in nature for what we want to look like. I've seen it again too on shows where there's an, 
I I can't say this enough. This is totally objective. I have so many gay friends where gay men are married and trying to have babies and they go to get their sperm count and they have like nine sperm. And it's because they've been on bodybuilding supplements. Again, trading in this function for form. So then I take us to maybe the future where we have this uh, sort of ectopod concept coming to reality in which we have totally divorced form and function. And then... I would just like to invite everyone to go in on the process of where we are now with this extremely meaningful and holographically symbolic uh, egg shortage that the United States is currently experiencing. Now, whether it is man-made or whether it is actually happening um, is sort of not really the point. The point is, is that there is an egg shortage. There is a shortage perceived shortage, whatever, of these vessels, of these yodes, of these potentials. of the, And so we're going to have to be ushered in ultimately into these sort of uh, uh, alternate egg replacements that I know Mr. William Gates is working on. And I know there's lots of other tech companies with low ESG scores working on them, um, making these alternative egg replacements. So I just would invite everyone to sort of follow that bizarre timeline progression of connecting those dots. And that's how you'll see what I think most of us are, what, what I'm seeing at least. And um, yeah, it's it seems fairly obvious to me that we're being moved into a very alternative reality, not necessarily one that we all agreed on. I want to just remind everyone how timely this egg situation is. We are in the year of the rabbit. We are talking about the rabbit and the egg. We are, at the time of this recording, looking down into Easter at some point here real soon, in a month or two. And there have been fake eggs on the market for quite a while. And I encourage everyone to look that up on uh you know, platform near you, just type in fake Chinese eggs and you will see, you will see people posting uh, images and talking about them and showing, and then you will find videos of them being produced, actually being produced. This is not a conspiracy. And I know that uh, Amy has shared some of that on one of her other shows, The Gold Pill, and this is a big deal. And when we look at the idea of as above, so below, or as within, so without, and the fake versus the real, the analog versus the digital, the realm versus the unseen realm, this is at play. And this is more of this symbology in the outer world that's going on, the egg shortage. And now, you know, and then the fake eggs in the market and alternatives to them. This is tied into the narrative that we've just presented to you all. This is a hundred percent the obvious layer. And I I'm only throwing this in here at the end because we constantly get people wanting us to give the obvious. And I think that if you did not already pick up on that, that's the most obvious thing because it's a big deal out in modern world events going down right now. Egg shortages. What 
is going on, people, ask yourself on a spiritual level, what does that really mean when you can see clearly there's a war on the womb and the woman and the egg? Whether you want to see it or not, it's there. So I encourage you to look. But with that, I would like to thank you, Miss Amy D, for coming in and having another wonderful show going out to the people when we get it out. I love doing this. This is such a wonderful thing to dive into. We learn more each time we do a new show. We are constantly learning with everyone else. Everyone else is informing us and teaching us as well. So how do people find us out in the world, Amy D? Girl, they can find us at Prima Donnas of the Gutter at Nish369 or at She's Amy D on Instagram at starlight.watch slash Prima Donnas of the Gutter or on Twitter at Prima Donnas OTG. And so I just want to take a minute here and let's talk about Starlight. Because that's Star- where that's where Prima Donnas is. That's the home of Prima Donnas. So just give us a little something, something on that. Starlight.watch was started by me and my man, and we just wanted a home for all of these little shows that we do to have a place that it can't get taken down and that there's no other editorial or publishing restrictions. And we just wanted to make sure that people had a chance to hear our unadulterated voices. And so I hope you do join us there and check it out and the other stuff there too. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone.